Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's the Alternative? I'm your Tyler, you're the listener, and I'm your host, Tyler Herman. And uh, yeah, we're back. This is another episode. This is the 44th episode of the show recorded, uh, what is today? Today is the 4th, the 4th of May in 2022. So I am here once again to tell you about some recent news in the electric vehicle and surrounding industries that I found interesting and kind of worthy of note over the last uh, several weeks, I guess it's been since the last episode. Um, but first, we have a couple of, of bits of um, housekeeping that we want to attend to. So first, just a huge thank you to everybody who supports on Patreon. I really uh, do appreciate it. Uh, it helps keep the show going and um, you know pay for hosting fees and all that sort of stuff. So I really do appreciate that. Um, and then a special thank you to our executive producer, Chris. Thank you so much. Thank you for the, the support on Patreon, as well as all the, the advice and just general support and such. I really appreciate it. Uh, another bit of housekeeping, there uh, is now a Podchaser link for this podcast. So Podchaser is kind of a uh, like a search engine for podcasts, a place that people can find podcasts, discover them, uh, look at reviews of them, leave reviews of them, uh, trying to solve the kind of issue that podcasts have where they're still like completely spread by word of mouth. It's kind of strange. Uh, I think it might be one of the only um, media forms that is still like completely spread via word of mouth is very, very interesting. Um, apart from, I guess, some advertising for the big podcasts, like the Rogan experience and all that sort of junk. Um, so yeah, that, that exists now for the podcast. There'll be a link down in the show notes below. Uh, you're welcome to, to go there and, and leave a review. That would be kind of cool. Uh, set that up since the last since the last episode and last time we spoke to each other. So that is brand new. Uh, they also put me on like a, a May top 50 podcasts, whatever to listen to lists. I say top 50 is probably a strong way to say it. Um, but like, you know, discovery page on, um, on Podchaser, which is like really kind of neat to see the podcast, uh, in a public venue that I did not, um, have to pay to put it, um, to have a place there. So that's really neat. Uh, and yeah, that exists and it's kind of, kind of cool. So, um, other, other news, other general keeping up with stuff. Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode. It's been a little bit. Uh, things have been kind of ridiculous in my neck of the woods. Um, uh, I knew that it would be this way, and I know I've mentioned this a couple times in the show over the last several episodes, uh, but things are really ridiculous right now. The huge influx of funding through the infrastructure bill has uh, has kept me very, 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 very busy over the last several weeks um, on top of just general life stuff. So there's a lot going on and uh, I appreciate everybody's patience with the with the show. Uh, but with that, uh, there is some exciting news. So next week, I will be in Los Angeles for the ACT Expo, which is the Advanced Clean Transportation Expo, an absolutely massive expo where yeah, it's so large that like, companies like Daimler, like worldwide international companies, will announce new vehicles at this particular um, expo, which is really, really neat. I might actually get to drive like an electric Kenworth or an electric international truck or something like that, uh, which I'm kind of excited about. There's some ride and drive days, uh, and that'll be a lot of fun. So it's going to be a really big conference next week, uh, running Monday through Thursday, and I am toying with the idea of potentially doing um, some little uh, daily wrap-up episodes during the expo if I get time um, and actually have enough time in my like hotel room to do that. Uh, these events are kind of busy for us in the clean cities world. Um, so I, I can't guarantee anything, but at the very least, I think at the end of it, I'll probably do a wrap up of everything. Uh, my thoughts on the expo, uh, what sorts of things were talked about and, and some of the educational sessions that, that they, they go through. Um, 
It's occurred to me more and more over the last several years of going to conferences like this that um, all of the presentations, like even the educational sessions where uh, you're ostensibly there just to learn about things and should be very factual and very like kind of where are things, uh, I've kind of come to learn that those are all still kind of marketing. Um, that's that's kind of obvious, but at the same time, uh, I think there's a little bit of a hope uh, that it would have a little bit more academic integrity to it. And um, and while I think that that's that's often true, uh, there's a lot of marketing stuff that goes into that, and a lot of you know talking positively about technologies that people have vested interests in. Uh, so I'm really curious as to um, kind of thinking from that perspective as to what my thoughts on some of these sessions are going to be. There's some interesting sessions that I'm hoping to attend. And uh, and yeah, I will hopefully be speaking to you all about um, about that and about my thoughts on the expo soon, either in, in kind of daily stuff a la uh, Red Planet Review, if you're familiar with We Martians at all, um, or at the end of it as, as like a, a wrap up for the week or something like that. So I uh, have that to look forward to. And um yeah, I think that's kind of all the all the clerical um, uh, catch-up stuff that I want to tell you about today. And with that, we can jump right into the news. So there's a lot to cover. Um, the first bit of electric vehicle news is that Tesla is no longer going to allow the purchase of for the purchase of their vehicles at end of lease. Uh, so there'll be no like lease to own option for Tesla vehicles. Uh, this isn't like terribly surprising. This has been hinted at in the past. Um, I don't have very strong opinions about this one way or the other, but that's a bit of news. Uh, coming out of Tesla that I think we all kind of saw coming to some degree. Um, Green Car Reports has written a preview of the Mercedes EQS, if you're interested in those sorts of things. Um, so this is, I think, Mercedes' first fully electric vehicle. And we have a little bit of a, a little bit of a preview of it. I don't think it's a it's a proper full review of the vehicle. Um, that'll probably come later on as the vehicle comes, you know, closer to actually being released. But uh, but yeah, Green Car Reports has a, a write-up of it, if you're interested in reading that. Uh, on to more tangible news, I think, uh, we have a price now for the 2023 Subaru Solterra, which is Subaru's first electric vehicle, and the price starts at $46,220. Allegedly, this vehicle will be available in all 50 states, which is kind of exciting and is not, unfortunately, something we don't get to say about every electric vehicle, Uh, and there's really not much else to say about the vehicle, uh, about the, um, the, the article in the news we have on it. I don't think we really know too much about it. It's going to be the, um, kind of cousin vehicle to Toyota's, is it the BZ B2X or whatever the stupid vehicle is called? Uh, this is why you name things better. Name things something that you can actually like pronounce and say easily. Otherwise people won't remember the name. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a cousin to the Toyota vehicle that uh, we've talked about in recent days on the podcast. Uh, Kia has updated the specs for the Nero hybrid plug-in hybrid electric models for 2023, and there's kind of decent spec upgrades across the board. Um, not a huge amount to go in, into here, but it's nice to see that even for kind of an older platform uh, with with Kia's new stuff coming out, it's nice to see that they're still kind of improving upon their older vehicles uh, in a pretty tangible way. Uh, speaking of improving upon older vehicles, the 2023 Nissan Leaf has also um, gotten some some kind of spec upgrades across the board from the 2022 model. Uh, and it still uses a Chatamo charger um, connector, which is kind of silly. Um, Nissan has moved to the SAE standard CCS um, charging standard, which is what basically everybody in the world uses apart from Tesla. Um, but they're keeping that for the Nissan Leaf, which is really, really strange. For all their new vehicles, they're doing CCS. But the Nissan Leaf, even the new ones, why, why are you keeping it Chatamo? I think that that's really silly. Not having consistency across the brand 
is really, really silly for, you know, a given market, the U.S. market here. Um, and not many new chargers are getting the Chatamo connector. Like, the infrastructure bill doesn't demand that you add Chatamo to any of those stations um, through those projects. So we're just not going to see them very much. Uh, and these new vehicles are still going to use Chatamo. And I think that that's, I think that's a poor decision. Um, but here we are. <laughs> Uh, Ford has officially launched full production of the F-150 Lightning, which is super exciting. I think that happened last week, um, which is really good. Um, and they've also hinted that they're going to have another electric truck launch in 2024 that is not based on the F-150 Lightning. So something completely different. I don't know if we're expecting something like a Ranger um, or something to that effect, but um, but that's kind of interesting for, for truck people. And I thought this was a kind of a big nugget of information that was dropped in, in some of the articles. Ford has said that they will not have any dealer stock until later model years of the F-150 Lightning because they have such a backlog of, uh, of reservations. So my read on the statement is basically like they're not going to have any F-150s, uh, F-150 Lightnings sitting on lots waiting to be sold um, because all of them are going directly out to reservation holders, which is crazy that is bonkers um that's kind of a good problem to have but also like it's kind of going to be sucky that we're not going to be able to go test drive one at a dealership but hey again that's a very good problem to have uh, honda has released a bit of a roadmap towards electrification including a promise of devoting around 40 billion dollars over the next 10 years to the effort um there isn't a huge amount in this press release um and it's kind of long with a lot of well, big words and no uh, huge amount of substance uh, of interest. However, there are a couple things in there that I, I did want to point out. Um, there will be two new electric vehicles in the U.S. by 2024 from Honda, which is not a huge number for two years, but okay. And then they also mentioned swappable batteries as a, techn as a tech option. Um, not... Not sure what we'll see out of that. Uh, we've talked about swappable batteries quite a bit on this podcast, and we'll talk about it again in just a minute. Um, but yeah, Honda talks about that a surprising amount in the press release. Speaking of swappable batteries, um, CATL, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be pronounced cattle or just CATL, uh, they're a battery manufacturer, and they're launching a battery swapping service in China. Uh, this is kind of an interesting uh, service that they're announcing. We've, we've talked about battery swap quite a bit. Um, their service is focused purely on folks who cannot charge their electric vehicles at home, so do not have home charging options. Uh, and they're planning 30 stations in the Chaomen uh, region by the end of 2022. So that's actually kind of a, uh, an aggressive build-out. The plan is that in that city, drivers will never need to drive more than 1.8 miles or 2.9 kilometers uh, to get to a station, which is kind of awesome. Uh, the surface will be called Evogo, Evogo, uh, E-V-O-G-O. Not exactly sure exactly the pronunciation on what that's supposed to be, but that'll be the name of the service. And they claim that the service is compatible, this is kind of weird, with 80% of electric vehicles sold. That's that's a big claim. Um, that makes me think that, that there's really no way that they're doing this in, in any sort of automated fashion. Um, this has to be you know, service people working on actually removing the batteries from, from older vehicles. Uh, that's a really, really major claim to make. Uh, and it gets around a lot of the problems with battery swap, right? <laughs> which is that you need, uh, if you want it to be automated, which is probably where you make your money um, or how you, how you make it profitable, like you got to have standardization in battery packs. And we just don't have that in the industry at all, not even a tiny bit. So the fact that the service is compatible with 80% of EVs on the road is like, bonkers to me. I'm very curious to see how that shakes out. 
and they expect to charge users around $61 per month for the service. Um, that's kind of an interesting figure too. It makes you think about, you know, how much do you pay a month in, in gas? Um, of course, you'd have to look at what gas prices are in China and, and the average uh, use case for vehicles in China and all that sort of stuff. But I thought that that was an interesting price. And it's not terribly high. I can definitely imagine spending spending that much pretty easily in gas per month, depending on, on how much you commute. So interesting service. Um, I think if anywhere, if you can make it work anywhere with battery swap, um, a dense metro in China seems like one of the places you can actually make that work. So Godspeed to them. I hope it works. Uh, GM has confirmed that they will use heat pumps in all of their electric vehicles. So that's cool. Um, heat pumps are really, really good for saving range. They're much more efficient than resistive heaters um, in basically all use cases for vehicles. So this is a pretty um, positive bit of news for GM. Um, this shouldn't be particularly noteworthy, but uh, the state that we are right now with electric vehicles, that is. So good on them. Good on you, GM. Mac, the, um, the the major vehicle manufacturer, now has a range calculator for their electric vehicles so that fleets can determine whether electrification will work for them on a particular route. Now, I think this is pretty neat. This is very fleet-centric, but the idea is that any fleet could look at um, a very specific route that one of their vehicles runs, uh, put that into the range calculator, and see if Mac has an electric vehicle that can uh, perform the duty of that route, which is really neat. I think that's a really... Um, Really, really cool program, really cool tool for fleets to use, and I suspect it'll get quite a bit of usage. So good on Mac for that. I like that. Uh, back to GM, they have signed a deal with MP Materials to provide rare earth elements or um, materials for GM's battery production, and those materials will be mined and manufactured in Texas. So another one of those stories of an, a major OEM getting into the battery manufacturing game and, and also um, securing some domestic production. That's really, really good. Um, that's especially good with um, Buy America requirements we've talked about before with federal dollars. Um, oftentimes, the any sort of procurement using federal dollars uh, has to be um, done in a way that supports purely American manufactured goods. And that is often true of vehicles as well. So this can help GM to be a Buy America compliant, which would be a really, really good thing. Uh, and on top of that, it's nice to have domestic manufacturing. Uh, I think that there's a lot of go a lot of stuff going on in the world right now um, that I won't discuss here because that's not the time or place. Um, but there's a lot that kind of shows us, hey, you know, maybe we should own some of our um, <laughs> our supply chain. And I think that that's very much true with uh, electric vehicle batteries. And it's often something that people throw at electric vehicle batteries as being like, do we really want electric vehicles if we're getting uh, cobalt from from the Congo? Um, and it's kind of like, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, you know, we can we can solve some of these issues if we bring some some stuff domestically or have better um, uh, better auditing practices practices on those particular facilities. But anyway, that's a whole thing beside the point of of um, of this. It's neat that GM has signed this deal with MP Materials, and uh, yeah, looking forward to them moving forward with their manufacturing. The battery recycling company Lithion, or Lithion, I think it's Lithion, has received $22.5 million uh, Canadian dollars from the Canadian government to help build out their facilities to begin dismantling and recycling used electric vehicle batteries. Um, this is really cool. Uh, it's neat that they're getting pretty big influx of money from the Canadian government. And uh, yeah, battery recycling is awesome and you love to hear it. The Japanese manufacturer Envision AESC will invest $2 billion to build a 30-gigawatt-hour battery factory in Kentucky. Uh, they will also receive $116.8 million in state incentives, 
as well as a $5 million grant for skills training, which is a, a cool little part of that. Uh, they're expected to create 2,000 or so jobs, which is nice. And they are also planning to power the factory by 100% renewable energy through both on-site generation, solar, form, solar farms, and a partnership with the Tennessee Valley Authority. They're expecting to hit their full production capacity of 30 gigawatt hours of battery production per year by the year 2027. That's pretty pretty aggressive ramp up, honestly, for a big facility like that. So again, getting more battery manufacturing in the U.S. Love to hear it. The charging manufacturer Wallbox has begun construction of a new facility to build chargers in Texas. Uh, this is an initial investment of $11 million for construction, and they plan to begin production of chargers there by October of 2022. Uh, that is very, very, very fast. Um, and very important, um, considering the, the Buy America requirements with the infrastructure bill, uh, and the fact that there is only a single manufacturer that actually meets current Buy America, um, guidelines or requirements for that bill. Um, we need more players in the world. We don't have enough battery or enough, um, not batteries, enough charger manufacturing to support the buildup that we need and that we're going to get from the infrastructure bill. So if we want these things to speed along, we need very, very rapid spooling up of manufacturing uh, or to slacken the requirements for Buy America. Uh, I think both of those things are going to happen in tandem to meet in the middle in a very happy place where we have a bunch of chargers on the road. So very exciting. Uh, they initially plan to have 250,000 or yeah, 250,000 uh, units of annual production, which is very quick. Um, and up to 500,000 by 2025. So again, they're really, really spooling this, this factory up, which is awesome. And they're also going to be producing bi-directional level two chargers there. So for stuff like vehicle to grid, um, or vehicle to health or vehicle to load, whatever, uh, capacity and DC fast chargers, which again is very, very important for stuff like the infrastructure bill. Uh, I talk about the infrastructure bill a lot because it is super duper important and it will not go away in this show. I think that we'll probably mention that uh, or say that phrase a million more times in this episode alone. So we have a bunch of deployment news this time around as well. Um, I think I've also put a lot of charging installations as deployment here, um, as well as some procurement stuff. But uh, I think that all kind of fits under the, under the, under the deployment umbrella. At least I'm going to count it as that. Uh, the company Watt EV, which is a truck as a service company, which is a hilarious name, has ordered 50 Volvo VNR classic or class eight electric trucks for operation in California. Um, so 50 electric trucks, which is awesome. Uh, and they, their service is like truck as a service. It basically seems like a leasing model, uh, a way for companies to lease these electric vehicles, um, maybe even something closer to what we might think of as like a U-Haul model or a Pinsky, where you, you lease a, a vehicle for a certain amount of time to, to use it on your routes or whatever you need. Um, so this is cool. It's really neat that they're getting into the game with these electric trucks. This is their first purchase of any vehicles. Uh, yeah, and hopefully we'll see them actually coming on the road really soon. The company Forgen Logistics, a drayage operator in California, has ordered 20 Kenworth T680E electric trucks. Uh, these vehicles have 150 uh, mile or 240 kilometer range. And uh, in drayage, just to define that term, is uh, trucking and stuff that is associated with ports and moving stuff from ports uh, inland to whatever their, their destination is. So nice order for them. The company Penske has ordered 750 Ford e-transit cargo vans, and those will be available for rental and leasing very soon, which is awesome. The company Maersk will add 300 electric trucks to its North American uh, network between 2023 and 2025, which is 
awesome. And the initial vehicles will be built by BYD, the Chinese electric vehicle manufacturing. Uh, they also have some uh, some stateside manufacturing capacity as well, I think largely for Buy America compliance and getting around tariffs and all that sort of stuff. Frito-Lay will deploy 40 Ford E-Transit trucks in Texas, and they have already taken delivery of one truck. Um, I think we discussed this earlier on in the year. Um, they were one of the first deliveries of a Ford E-Transit truck, and they've been kind of testing it around. And the remaining trucks will be delivered by summer of this year, 2022, which is awesome. The uh, car rental company Hertz is purchasing up to 65,000 Polestar electric vehicles, Um which is great. Uh, you, you might remember Hertz uh, announced that they had like a hundred thousand Tesla Model Threes um, on order or something like that, and then like Elon tweeted and like, no, they don't, um, and that was a whole kerfuffle. Uh, so I have heard whisperings, and I don't know if this is substantiated at all. This seems like a, a major thing to do um, on a whim, but I have heard people say like Hertz is only buying Polestars because Elon tweeted something negative at them. I think that's silly, but. Um, but I thought it was a fun anecdote regardless. Uh, this purchase of 65,000 Polestars will be done over the next five years. The Swiss transport company Gallagher has deployed an all-electric truck for transporting EVs. So you'll get EVs being delivered on an EV, which is awesome. The Saudi Arabian government will purchase 50,000 Lucid electric vehicles uh, with the option to purchase 50,000 more. Um, this was just an interesting story. I didn't never thought about this Saudi Arabian government purchasing electric vehicles. That's just a very big surprise to me. Um, although I guess it shouldn't be. They need vehicles. Uh, these deliveries will start in uh, quarter two of 2023 and will happen over a 10-year period. It's kind of a huge period there. The transit operator Pace Suburban Bus in Chicagoland has awarded $26.5 million to Proterra for the purchase of 20 electric transit buses and two megawatt-scale chargers. Uh, I think it's really interesting that the articles and, and press releases only mentioned two chargers. Uh, it's kind of surprising to see only two chargers supporting 20 buses. That is very, very uncommon in the industry. So I'm assuming that they have other chargers to support those vehicles, or maybe they just didn't make the press release and it's assumed that they're going to have the chargers. I'm not really sure where that's going. That's a, a big surprise to me. Even very fast chargers, you're going to want more redundancy than just two of them. Um, a one to 10 uh, charger to bus ratio is uh, is bonkers in the industry to say to say the least. Um, actually, I can say that in most fleets I'm aware of, they have more chargers than vehicles for the redundancy standpoint, um, and just to make sure that they always have vehicle uh, chargers available. That is weird. So I'm assuming that they have other chargers, and they just weren't mentioned in this particular set of press releases. The company's Volkswagen and BP will install up to 8,150 kilowatt fast chargers across Europe using VW's FlexPole chargers, which can be installed on light poles. So this is kind of interesting. The FlexPole platform apparently doesn't require any voltage upgrades or transformer upgrades at the site. They just plug directly into the low voltage connection uh, on a light pole. That's that's a bit of a surprise to me. That's really, really interesting and, and really cool, um, assuming that, you know, it, it works exactly as, as a state. I have no reason to believe that it doesn't. Um, so that's a really neat technology. Uh, these stations are going to include two chargers and a battery storage system. Uh, that's probably how they're getting around a little bit of the power requirements and transformer um, requirements there, is having battery backup and using the battery to actually apply the higher voltage or higher power um, charging, but um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and then they expect to have the first 4,000 of these installed by 2024. So 
So yeah, we're getting some fast charges across Europe through a partnership of VW and BP. The UK energy company GridServe has finished its overhaul of the 300 chargers that make up the electric highway in the UK. Uh, this replaced existing slower chargers that were um, uh, previously very unreliable and kind of had a, a bad name to them. Uh, and they've replaced them with much faster 350 kilowatt chargers. Um, and this is 300 chargers at 130 different sites. So GridServe purchased this network uh, about a year ago and has worked on aggressively repairing them and replacing these chargers over the last year um, and hopefully providing a much better charging experience to the citizens of the UK. So very, very good news. And speaking of the citizens of UK, uh, the company Tesco, the grocery chain, is installing free public chargers at 500 sites. This is a partnership between Volkswagen, Tesco, and Podpoint, the charger manufacturer. And they're a mix of level two and DC fast chargers that will use 100% renewable energy. So that is exciting. And then Rivian is funding one megawatt of solar power to be built out in Tennessee to power its waypoint chargers in the state. And just as a reminder, the um, Waypoint network for, from Rivian is their level two chargers that they're placing at places like state parks and national parks. Uh, they also have their adventure network, which is the fast chargers that they're placing along the interstate system. I've always thought these names were backwards, like adventure network should be the one that's used for the parks and such because you're like going on an adventure at the park. But that's uh, I'm not I'm not in PR at any company, much less Rivian. So uh, they probably know better than me or they're just wrong, which is fine with me. We got some energy news for you this time around. The company Burns and McDonald has completed construction of a 65 megawatt solar uh, setup in Texas, which is great. So more solar power for Texas, which is lovely. Duke Energy just started operations at a new 22.6 megawatt solar farm in North Carolina. And Duke Energy has also announced that it will launch two landfill renewable natural gas projects in North Carolina as well, which will become operational late 2022, and they'll produce enough gas to offset the natural gas usage of approximately 34,000 houses, which is awesome. Um, I've talked a lot about landfill renewable natural gas in the renewable natural gas episode, so if you want to learn how that works, you can go there. Um, But suffice it to say, that is a very, very low carbon, sometimes even carbon negative uh, way to use fuel um, or fuel fuel source, and it is fantastic, and I love it, and it's kind of my pet my pet favorite. I, I can have favorites, okay? Everybody has to have a favorite renewable energy source, and mine is renewable natural gas. The electric utility Clico uh, in Louisiana has announced a $900 million project to capture 95% of the CO2 from their largest coal plant and sequester that CO2. Uh, the plant currently emits 45 million tons of CO2 per year, and um, this is kind of interesting. This is one of their only coal plants uh, in their territory or in their um, their portfolio. And I guess it's not remotely near end of life, so they want to do carbon capture with it. I remain kind of on the fence about carbon capture and sequestration, um, but Louisiana does have a lot of geology that is specifically well-tuned and well-suited for, for carbon sequestration. So um, this may be kind of a good spot for it. But again, like, there's a lot of... I don't know. I go both ways on it, and I really am excited to learn more, more and more as more of these projects kind of come online to see whether uh, my skepticism is well-founded or not. But either way, that's an absolutely massive project, nearly a billion dollars to capture a ton of CO2. So hopefully it works out really well. The utility Georgia Power Company has announced that it will shut down nine coal plants and three oil burning plants by 2028, which is ahead of schedule, and add more natural gas and renewables to make up that deficit. 
So this shutdown will only leave two coal plants in their entire fleet, which will shut down by 2035. They will also offset the lost generation uh, with a purchase of 2.4 gigawatts of natural gas and 2.3 gigawatts of solar generation by 2029. Um, They plan to hit 6 gigawatts of total renewable production by 2035. And they intend to add uh, energy storage to the mix to help out with those renewables, although I didn't read very much that pointed to how much um, how much energy storage they'll have and by when. But either way, they're going to they're, they have that in the plan, which is nice. The company Origin Materials is building a facility that will manufacture plastic from wood residue in Ascension Parish, Louisiana, which is uh, just south of Baton Rouge, and they claim that this is a carbon negative process, which is kind of bonkers. Um, it'll be a $750 million project and production is expected to begin in 2025. So their plan is to produce uh, polyethylene terephthalate or PET. I'm sure I got that pronunciation wrong uh, from wood residue sourced, um, among other places from timber mills and forests and managed forests in Louisiana. And, um, the process will also re- result in what's called hydrothermal carbon, uh, which is a type of carbon that can be used in fuel pellets, uh, and in electricity generation and, and such. So this is really, really interesting. Uh, it seems to potentially hold water, um, to me. Like nothing seems terribly, um, unkosher about this, about any of their statements. Uh, timber mills and managed forests, like, are a totally good and sustainable way to get wood, um, especially if you're sourcing it here in America, where we have pretty good uh, forestry practices, as to the best of my knowledge. Now, actually, there are a couple of episodes of the Planthropology podcast. Um, you, you might know Vikram Beliga from the episode that I did with him uh, on this show, which was awesome. I still look very fondly back on that recording. It was a lot of fun for me. Um, but he had a couple episodes actually about forestry and about managed forests. And uh, from the guests that he was speaking to, it, it really seems like it is a very sustainable practice. So I can see this being basically carbon negative. Uh, traditional plastic, plastic is largely produced from, or completely produced, only produced from petroleum, uh, from oil. So uh, really great that we have a potentially, you know, biological, um, uh, friendly pathway for for making plastic. Uh, that, that, that's really, really good news. And it'll be in Louisiana, which makes me happy because I'm here in Louisiana. That's where I am. That's where I live. Hello. Uh, so that's a really cool project. And I have one policy item for you this week. Uh, again, close to home, Louisiana's governor, John Bell Edwards, has a press release about Louisiana's use of the infrastructure bill funding for electric vehicle charging infrastructure. And this press release uh, came after an event that the nonprofit that I hosted, but do not represent here, um, and it was awesome. So the press release specifically mentions Louisiana Clean Fuels, a nonprofit I'm with, um, in the very first line, which is very exciting. And it was a uh, it, hand, it dealt with uh, the event that we hosted, which was a, a major expo in partnership with the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development. Um, and it was a really, really great expo with a bunch of electric uh, heavy-duty equipment, which I was very, very excited to see. Uh, and yeah, this is um, it's pretty cool. Louisiana has its Climate Action Plan, uh, which was codified in January of this year, um, and officially accepted by the state, which is awesome. And uh, the infrastructure bill is going to be a big part of it, and we're playing a big role. Uh, which I'm very, very excited about. Just kind of want to brag a tiny bit about that because it makes me very happy. Anyway, uh, Louisiana Clean Fuels hat off because I do not represent them at all on this podcast. Nothing I say can it used, can it will be used against me in the court of law, that sort of stuff. Um, so with that aside, that wraps up the news stories I have for you this time around. There are a few articles, maybe a 10 or so articles that I still have in my reading list that I wanted to cover today, um, but they're 
thornier topics that require more research, and I am getting on a flight tomorrow to Los Angeles, so those will have to come next episode. Um, with that, you can give me any feedback that you'd like, uh, either at Archduke Tyler on Twitter, uh, on Patreon, if you want to give me feedback there, that's a great place for it. You can also find me on Podchaser uh, and leave a review there or look for other podcasts there, something to replace this one whenever you decide that you don't want to listen to me anymore. And with all of that said, thank you all for listening so much. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a good weekend, a week, month, year. Hope you have a good life. Hope things are going well. And you will hear my voice again whenever you inevitably listen to the next episode. Because let's be honest, what's the alternative? Thank you.